Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. And I am Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things and what that means now and in the future, 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 future. Well, it has been a while <laughs> since we've done that. I'm so excited to be back. Um, with us today is Gene Kogan, a sort of legendary artist and maker in the machine learning generative art community, who hit me up, uh, or I, I got in contact with him recently, because it uh, turns out he's working on this super relevant, hyper relevant um, generative art, uh, digitally scarce thing project that you can tell us all about. Hey, Gene. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, can we start out because, like, I don't know too much about you. Can we start out just like give us the give us the sort of short ish bio of like what what you've been up to? Sure. Um, so I'm an artist. I, I work a lot with uh, machine learning AI. I've been kind of I have a background. Uh, I have some informal background in machine learning going back maybe ten years. I was interested in uh, music information retrieval as and uh, music technology more broadly, and that kind of led me to investigate creative uh, creative applications of, of AI and computer science more broadly. And um, when the deep learning craze kind of hit, I've been been kind of doubling down my efforts to find some something interesting at the intersection between these things, you know, being creative with AI. Um, right. And uh, it's turned into a pretty big enterprise the last few years. It's, it's, it's really kind of um, been flowering, I guess. Um, and uh, I've become interested in, let's say, decentralization technology more broadly uh, over the last two years, so much more recent for me, and um, have been kind of uh, hatching this this project idea that that um, kind of brings these things together, and uh, I guess that's what led me to, to you guys. Yeah, out of curiosity... <clears throat> You know what was the what was your entry into the decentralized crypto world stuff like what, what, what you know Matt and I are similarly positioned about two years ago three years mm-hmm. ago what was your kind of uh, it, it was kind of gradual for me so I think like everyone I've been aware of Bitcoin since maybe 2011 yeah. 2012 but I wasn't mm-hmm. super interested in it I did have a Bitcoin like in 2012 or half of one anyway. <laughs> that I lost in an unfortunate phone, of phone accident. That's okay. It's, I, I would have sold it. I would have sold it anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I wasn't super invested in, in the space so long as I considered it mainly for financial applications. Right. Mm, and right. Um, even when Ethereum came around, I, I, I still kind of had the sense that it was mostly for financial instruments. Um, the right. thing that kind of started getting me more interested in the space is when I started hearing more about um, things like DAOs. And also, mm-hmm. um, I was living in Berlin and I met Trent McConaughey, and mm-hmm. he was talking about things like AI DAOs um, and you know protocols for reimagining the internet. You know how to mm-hmm. how to make data into a protocol, which was not something I had considered before. So that really kind of got me reading and thinking more about the space. And, and really trying to figure out how it was relevant to what I was doing at the time. Um, and yeah, that, that was kind of, at that point, that, that was how it really took off for me. And so, yeah, let's just jump right in. Like, you're working on this new project. Is the blog post that you're working on, is it done yet? It's, or are you It's still basically working on it? done, except I've just been yeah. collecting feedback and, and trying to get oh, revisions. Cool. And, I'm, nice. I, and I also decided originally I had this very long, <laughs> very yeah. long article, and it really is... It was a magnum opus, I think. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it also kind of um, attacks multiple different topics, which are related. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided it would make sense to kind of break it up into installments and rewrite mm-hmm. an introduction that was much more just in, you know, just kind right. of this at the highest level. And so that I'm releasing imminently, like I hope tomorrow. Press the publish button while we're recording live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
so 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 why don't you give us that that high level look at at, at, at what you're working so on? so the the project is called abraham and the idea is to make an autonomous artificial artist and uh, this is kind of related to the art dao idea i don't know if you've talked about that on, the, on this show a little bit um but it's essentially an art dao that has a few constraints added to it one is that, uh, well, I, I don't know, maybe I should back up and talk about what an art DAO is. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, start there. <laughs> so uh, an art DAO is this idea of, an, of a, um, you know, some DAO or a smart contract that is producing art on the blockchain and it's selling it and it is um, using the proceeds to pay for its computation and whatever resources it needs to consume. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been kind of floating around the space. Uh, Trent McConaughey was one of the uh, people who first kind of started writing about it along with Simon de la Rouvier, also, right. of, you know, um, who, who was writing a lot about various sort of crypto economic ideas, uh, curation markets yep. and so on. And um, for me, this was, uh, this idea very much completes the last few decades of research by, by artists and computer scientists into this idea of an artificial artist. Um, so you uh-huh. might, you know, if you're in, invested in the computational art space, you might be familiar with projects like... Aaron, um, which was, you know, this project to create a robot that just made original paintings. And there have been lots of projects. um, That's kind of one of the more well-known ones, but there have been lots in the space, um, uh, you know, along those lines for the last few decades, really. Uh, But they were always, um, I felt they were always kind of lacking uh, a couple of elements. One was this idea of autonomy, so that the, Hmm. that the, agent which is creating the artworks is truly functionally independent um, mm. and, and, and and original in its own right um, because Aaron is, is a project that I would say is really kind of mostly the work of the artist but mm. you know kind of in um, implanting his own knowledge into the into the agent um, mm. and uh-huh. this I think I think the uh, the thing that I started thinking about was how can we um, how can we give the perception of um, agency to an artificial artist, um, you know, how, how can we actually achieve that? And the way that I, the way that I think um, is the most feasible way of doing it now is to use collective intelligence. Um, and so I'm making this connection between the idea of collective intelligence and autonomy. So this agent, this art DAO, which is mm-hmm. creating art, it... Um, it appears to us to have its own creativity, like the truly its own, um, which is really actually an amalgamation of the creativity and the data and the inputs of a whole network of people. Um, so ah. it's something like a super organism on top of it. And we have this right. in popular culture already. You know, you might think of the idea of a hive mind. Um, so right. this is not new. You know, certainly the idea of a of a group agency emerging on top of the individuals mm-hmm. is has been in our culture for a long time. And so I'm kind of exploring that idea in the context of an art DAO. I think it actually gives it a, um, you know, gives it, a, because one limitation of the original art DAO idea is that it doesn't necessarily feel creative to me um, mm. because it feels to me like a programmer who writes a program and puts right. it onto the smart contract and, you know, it's right. creating some sort of artworks. Um, there's a number right. of projects that are already like that. Um, but uh, machine learning gives us this opportunity to blend the, um, you know, the inputs mm. of many, many, many people together and get yeah. something which is from, from that mix mixture, something which is truly its own. Totally. Um, yeah. And so that's the, yeah, that's the sort of, I know it's a very circuitous explanation. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> but, makes, um, it makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it even just makes me think of like, of just what, you know, creativity is, what, you know, what some could, could argue creativity is just to begin with, which is like a remix of, of just all, you know, an amalgam, right. as you yeah. said, of all kinds of different people's ideas and things, any any art, any actual artist, when they bring their creativity to bear, what else? What else are they really doing other than taking the the accumulation of experiences and other people's yeah. synthesizing other people's you know ideas and things? Right. So, in in that way, it makes total sense to right. me. Yeah, I I also tend to take that view of creativity. Um, it's a in the AI art world, this question comes up all the time you know it's something mm. like is can a machine be creative what is creativity sure. 
And right. um, a lot of people tend to, in my opinion, give magical answers for why something is creative. You know, that something mm-hmm. is creative because a human made it is kind of right. the answer that, bo- that it boils down to. And I tend to be dissatisfied by this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a little bit of a reductionist. Like, the law of conservation says that you can't create anything, basically, right, in this universe. <laughs> right. And so right. everything is just recombinations right. of other things. And um, for that reason, I think creativity, the, the best way to approach it is that it's something that is perceived or observed by us. Something, If something looks to you to be creative, it is. Um, it's not creative because of some intrinsic property that you can measure. Right. It's creative because that's in the eye of the of the observer. Um, in my sure, view. that makes total sense to me. And, which, and I would extend that to not just things like creative, but but even things like conscious. You know, so what right. is consciousness mm-hmm. ultimately? I mean, no one's given a very satisfactory explanation right. of this, and so to me, it must be some observed phenomenon. I think. Mm, yeah. yeah. Find what properties that consciousness actually exhibits and how do you if those properties are exhibited by this autonomous agent then certainly you could call it conscious right yeah or at least you could say that you have no more you have no reason to believe it isn't not any more reason Mm. that you have to believe that i am conscious so adding i guess this sense of liveness to the art dao this sort of um, yeah, consciousness, perhaps creativity, this uh, person, personness, if you will, like whatever that uh, concept is, trying to inject that into this collective intelligence-based autonomous artist. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so what kind of art will it be creating? So right now, the most of my um, like the first demos that I'll be putting out are are using uh, generative models of images. Uh, which is a good starting point because it's kind of the easiest to understand. Um, you know, it's a visual visual understanding. Although in principle, there's no reason why it can't do anything essentially that can be made by a generative model. So you could have generative models of audio and of text, in particular, and potentially combinations thereof. Three um, D is an option. Point clouds, things like that. Yeah. Um, the thing is, right now there there are severe technical constraints on how much I can achieve in the the purest form of it you know which which require which has a bunch of properties that it that it requires a bunch of things that really constrain um what we can is do. that is that because of is, is that because of technical constraints of like computer yeah. constraints or or technical yeah. constraints like, for sure yeah there's some technical constraints ethereum specifically or like decentralized generative art it's even even broader uh, i think yeah. ethereum would probably you know, only be used for, say, keeping track of transactions to the extent that there's some sort of economic model built into it. Right. Um, but the actual machine learning needs to be done off-chain because there's really right. no... Of course. Uh, it's just like so computationally <laughs> yeah, heavy, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. It's really, really computationally heavy. And it's it's even worse than that because um, I, I'm making this point in the essay, but there's a few prop- there's a few constraints that it has to have in order to have these properties of autonomy. Mm. And one uh-huh. is that it's irreproducible and it's uncopyable. So it's kind of its mm. own um, sort of, you know, a sort of generative model in the cloud, in a sense. Um, I see. Which wow. makes it even even if you got rid of the whole decentralization element, right. it's already uh, hard enough because it requires, for example, for the data to be uh, private. Uh, to mm. to all the data that all the training data that goes into it needs to right. be kept private, never aggregated. Huh. And so that places some sort of like it's private thoughts. Right. You can't. You no one can have access to this thing's private right. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because you want it to huh. have its own creativity. Like I make yeah. an analogy yeah, yeah. to a ventriloquist. You know, like mm. if you were watching a ventriloquist and they have a dummy, um, you might think that the the dummy is not truly alive or conscious or creative it's just being spoken through by the by the ventriloquist mm. and in this case I, I also make a case that the the the, gener- the artist you know abraham or the generative model is not truly its own unless it has its own voice and in mm. order for it to have its own voice it has to be it has to be separate from the network of people who uh, who who collaborate to make it. That makes a ton of sense, and definitely gets you into secure multi-party computation, which is yeah, a that's one classically of, hard. Yeah, exactly, space. classically hard. That's one of the things that I'm looking at. I'm also interested in um, kind of federated learning schemes, and mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe bringing in more 
you know, the harder technologies, some of the fancy encryption schemes that you might kind of see floating around. Um, but all of this is kind of a study for me right now. Um, totally. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, don't know too much about multi-party computation. And so I'm kind of interested in studying it in this context. Totally. Huh. That's honestly the best way to do it is to have a goal or a project in mind and right. then apply all of these generalized informations to what you're actually doing. I love, I love doing that. Yeah. Who's responsible for the stuff that goes into it? All the stuff that goes into this cloud of ideas and things that, that, that is, where does all that stuff come from? Hmm. Well, uh, oh, like who, who is uh, giving it data? Yes. So th- essentially it should be crowdsourced and it's, uh, yeah. and so it's on the volunteer basis. Um, I, okay. I think that it would be interesting to kind of create a DAO, which um, allows people to, to interface with the artist. So either by submitting yeah. data or maybe by participating in the process of curation or governance. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and, you know, actually developing the technology also. Um, I've, I've also been kind of reading up on, for example, different sorts of economic models that could be used to incentivize right. people to participate. Sure. So um, I'm really interested in, in a lot of these efforts. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of broad efforts to try to create ways of, of, of creating economic models for the internet that compensate people for, for, for providing data, um, which I think is, is, um, you know, quite separate to this is, is a conversation that I'm very interested in. I think it really makes a lot of sense for us to think about new ways of structuring internet services where maybe you pay for the services, but you get paid to, to use them, you know, to provide data, um, because we've seen the limitations of the sort of, you know, advertiser, mm. uh, advertising yeah. model. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so I'm interested in kind of maybe applying that to this project. Maybe people get, get some, some little reward for providing some data or maybe providing compute yeah. or, or mm-hmm. participating mm-hmm. in curation somehow. Um, so it would be okay. essentially it should be open and, and ideally everyone, like I really like to get as many people to participate as possible. It definitely lends itself towards liveness, the larger, yeah, the larger your network, the more interesting, the collective amalgamation of, of thoughts and data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that when you, when you talked about the DAO, you said that, um, people would interact with the artist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love, love, love that because my yeah. brain immediately was like, yeah, that's, that's a, a, a person or an entity or like this living thing. And yeah. it, it wasn't until like a beat later that I realized, oh, <laughs> we're still talking about the computer. And, but it, it was such an easy jump for me, which is really, And that's really a great way to frame yeah. it for sure. Yeah. You're, a you're much more open-minded than others. I've certainly gotten lots of pushback on, on the idea that it is an artist. Um, mm. Artists in particular tend to be very... Uh, tend to kind of flag plant uh, around creativity right. as this you know human agency <laughs> and the idea of AI art as being something that augments human artists, which mm. I think is totally I'm totally into that idea also and that's something that I've been for the last few years I've been teaching artists for example how to how to augment their own creativity with with AI tools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I do I am kind of interested in exploring this space of of artificial creativity in its own sense. Um, I think there's a lot of room to, to, I mean, you know, there is a leap of imagination that, that has to go into it, but I think it's, I think it's actually an interesting one, uh, enough to pursue. How do you think about the concept of free will when it comes to Abraham? <laughs> That's a pretty deep one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's almost like, but it's, yeah, it's almost like you, you get really deep really quickly right. when you start talking about this. Yeah. You sort of have to, you get right? It's philosophical. You get into, and you get into you do, yeah. like unanswerable yeah, yeah. questions, yeah. basically. Like, I guess for me, like I, I'm still unsure of what free will is. Like I, I, I'm not enough familiar with the literature to, to give a very good answer on, on nature of free will. But what I would say is that I'm kind of guided by, you know, the original Turing idea, the imitation game. Like mm. if you can say that a human has free will, then I think we can we can create a, a uh, some sort of an artificial, um, you know, some sort of a, an agent which there's nothing that that a human has that it doesn't have uh, mm-hmm. a, that's relevant right. to demonstrating free will. Yeah, I could easily imagine a an art based Turing test uh, where you know you pull your uh, you double blind test your different artworks or like maybe media presence or something and then just yeah see if people can tell. Yeah, yeah. and some of that's been already done even, you know, ge- yeah. generating GAN artworks and then asking people yeah, to, totally. to 
to pick out whether or not they're real. I, I like to think about that a lot, especially around like the fact that the autonomous artist could be considered Im- immortal and mm-hmm. sort of never ending, depending on you know its collective, the network itself sticking around. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which definitely sort of it gets into like life after death and this sort yeah. of like concept of yeah, just like this legacy of uh, creation that never stops but continually evolves over time because of all of the stuff it's synthesizing. Yeah. How do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think, you know, that there's something very ethereal about it that the mm. art artist doesn't exist on any one server. And so it's kind of, uh, as long as the network is there, it, it is also there. It is the network essentially. So as long as there are people there participating or some entities that are plugged into it, then mm. it still exists. And then, you know, uh, it's immortal in the sense that nothing can kill it unnaturally, um, but it's but it but it <laughs> certainly can dissipate. You know, if it if it, it can dissolve organically, let's say, if if uh, it's no longer useful or something like that. People no longer feeding it data. Yeah, or or, or sampling from it or something like that. Probably more decentralized things should have a uh, an off switch like that. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of digital dust in the future. If the dust cleaned itself up, that'd be kind of interesting. Oh yeah, like a like yeah, built-in obsolescence just in just in case. It's a smart contract that can execute its own rules, so it can be like, hey, if no one's voted on this for like a year and a half, like then nobody's going to do it tomorrow, so. Maybe that's why we die. Oh shit. You know, God was God was just like these things need off switches. Right. Otherwise, there's just gonna be like be too many of them. <laughs> That's actually like a classic that like uh, that comes back every a lot of times, especially when you're reading uh, books. Is like yeah, the utility of death in right. how uh, civilization progresses. Sure, and, sure, yeah. So is it gonna be obviously like you're saying the 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 data that goes into it and like the the artist is a self-contained thing. Like you don't want to people can't like once you give it the data it all goes into this sort of encrypted cloud thing what you were saying and there's no way to get at that but the but the underlying technology is that i got the sense that you're saying it's sort of open source does that mean like other people can can both could fork it and and make their own art artists like could this could could abraham be the first of like multiple artists based on this sort of idea that you're laying the foundation for yeah uh, i definitely see no reason why it can't i mean for me that it's a marker of success if other people want to actually fork it and make other artists um i guess i guess for now i'd like to i'd like to work on the technology because right now there there is no artist it it doesn't exist yeah and so i'm going to try to sort of build towards prototypes and maybe research a lot of the underlying technologies and then try to build Abraham, which would be, you know, maybe the first of its kind. Um, and hopefully people will collaborate on Abraham with me. Although, uh, like I said, there's there's no... Um, the, I'm pitching the project essentially as any other decentralized, as any other DAO, which means that it should be, you know, possible to fork it, to copy it, and to spin off into different ideas, you know, that maybe have different properties. Um, so I don't, I don't see any reason that that can't happen. Um, of course, like I said, it, it'll be up to me and whoever else to, to actually, you know, position it so that other people want to. Yeah. Like it needs to become a thing before it can become multiple things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, are you looking for funding? How, what's the, what's the process of. What what's you, what's the process of making yeah. this thing happen? What what, what stands between right. you yeah. and bringing Abraham to life? Uh, you know the the main hurdle to overcome are these technical constraints mm. uh, because the project idea. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It might be the most ambitious technologically, you know, <laughs> venture that's in the in the crypto space yeah. because I'm I'm mm-hmm. asking for complete privacy preserving decentralizing <laughs> machine learning so there's definitely mm-hmm. those are the main constraints in terms of funding that's something i'm i'm definitely thinking about i don't have any leads on that i've i've considered about you know how it would be i i thought about because one thing is i i'm still unfamiliar with the idea of fundraising for decentralized uh projects mm. and um one thing i thought about is trying to apply for funding from from institutions and then trying to just put all of the money towards 
um, towards the like raw underlying resources yeah. that that like compute mm-hmm. basically because that costs money. Um, right. And so whatever I can to kind of uh, keep the money away from myself, let's say. Um, yeah. yeah, perhaps it's possible to treat Abraham like a like a, a person artist that has to go get funding somehow and. Maybe they talk to grant programs. And, uh, I almost think that that's like I, I think that I really like that idea. I don't know. I think I think there's a way to position yeah. it. Brand. I don't know. This is this is probably dumb, but like branding yeah. wise, of like really lean into because because like the thing into, that the thing that both both yeah. Matt and I I think really reacted to when you were saying the artist, you know, like definitely requires that leap of the faith. Perhaps. But the people that the people that are going to get it, I think, will get will will be super into that. I feel like. Probably. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And there's already a little network of people who are, who are, you know, I've made a discord, for example, and oh, nice. people are kind of mm-hmm. discussing it a little bit. How do you feel about copyright in the, the whole holistic experience of this, uh, digital artist from the code to the creation? Um, everything? well, in general, copyright is one of these, um, in the creative industries is this, the yeah. more I read about copyright, the less I think it makes any sense. Yeah. You know, there's, there's <laughs> nice. it's very hard to kind of decouple the process of enforcing copyrights from any sort of principles yeah. that govern mm-hmm. it. And, and I'm, I'm hope I'm, I'm kind of proceeding until copyright becomes a problem. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, in theory, in right. theory, all of the content I'm, I'm hoping just comes directly from contributors that it's not stuff mm-hmm. that I, that I copy from, from copyright adventures, it's it's something that basically anyone can contribute their own data, which they should own the copyrights to. Um, mm-hmm. It's still unclear mm. in in the legal sense, like a model right. that's trained on copyrighted material. You know, is it actually mm. infringing on copyright? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's kind of silly. I feel like it's kind of silly yeah, because it doesn't silly. actually hold the the original data. <laughs> it just learns from it. Right. Um, it's inspired by. Yeah. Much like right. humans are inspired by, by copyrighted material, you know, yeah. All the copyrighted shit we see all the for, time. For sure, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so to. But me, I mean, I don't know. Convince a judge of that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think we know how that system works in the U.S. So there's like the code itself. Uh, there's the data. There's like contributions to the code that are under copyright. There are like the actual data that goes into your machine learning, your training set, and then there's also the works that it produces. Um, how do you think about the produced works in copyright? Are they designed to have none at all, or does the Abraham own some sort of like one of those five artistic copyrights? The, uh, this is still up for debate, but but in mm-hmm. my mind right now, I'm kind of adopting the art down model, which is that Abraham mm-hmm. would own the copyrights to the works that Abraham produces, and then Abraham can can trade or sell the artworks on some market. And, you know, there's already mm-hmm. these crypto art markets that are around that Abraham could potentially plug right into or maybe make Abraham's mm-hmm. own um, market. Um, so, yeah, I see Abraham as, as the artist and the holder of the rights to the, to the works. And if I purchase an Abraham work, do I have uh, do I now have those rights around like resale and the, there's like tiers of copyright? Right. Yeah, I, I would say so, and and you know it could be that the that the actual terms are up for the market itself. Like let's say Abraham participated in in super rare or um, you know in the rare art, right. Right. you know. So so maybe it just adopts their terms of service. I have one really uh, question that I'm particularly interested in that um, is not necessarily Abraham specific, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on both uh, generative art in general and uh, in the context of Abraham. Mm-hmm which is around scarcity and generative art. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the fact that it's generative means that there are infinitely many different versions, perhaps, of um, this model that you mm-hmm. created, and which is like slightly different than an infinite number of copies of some bits. It's like all of these bits are different and therefore unique and non-fungible. So how do you think about the idea of scarcity and uh, around one generative art, um, and the and then around Abraham specifically. Um, okay, well, there's there's a couple there's a couple things that that create scarcity in Abraham. Uh, a generative model in itself is uh, at least in, in like a machine learning generative model 
um, mm-hmm. it's it's finite in the number. You know, if it's trained on a particular data set, uh, the number of mm. truly unique. I mean, it's practically infinite if you consider it from the right. perspective of of um, how, you know every combination of pixels you can produce. It's really large. However, um, sure. tech, uh, really, when you look at them, they begin to like become no repetitive. Right. And so they, they do it. have a, a sort of finite supply of, of images that look mm. appreciably different from each other. Um, the other mm-hmm. thing is that it's, it's scarce because there's no um, – if the, at the purest level, if, if we use this sort of secure multi-party computation and, and data set privacy constraints – then it can't. Um, then the only way for it to produce a particular artwork or a sample, you know, is for for a query to actually propagate through the network, which is a um, which is hard, you know, because it it'll have to will have to do a a big decentralized computation, and so it's kind of rate limited. You know, it's it's hard to mm. it's hard to Certainly. you can almost think of it like mining uh, in a way um, that there right. there is you know mining artworks. I actually yeah. really like that. Yeah. It's it's a very I'm going to use the word it's uh-huh. very authentic uh, rate limit to scarcity right. because of the the medium with which it produces art time time is the time is the one yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like it's like you can't paint like so many gigantic paintings right. you can only do like one a week or something it's just yeah. like that that's yeah, really yeah. interesting um, exactly and and it's and it's also scarce in the crypto art world sense because you know it's going to be associated with some NFT or something right. like that. Um, Certainly, and um, yeah, and yeah, um, and I think scarcity is a big part of uh, creating value around. Um, for example, like with generative art, you have a ton of different variabilities, but uh, like the one that sold at Christie's last year, the like one specific version, the one specific instance of this model, which came from was based off of Robbie Barrett's work, right. and then um, reused, but the the. The model could produce infinitely many, but the artist chose exactly one uh, to auction off. And so, like, why? How choose that one? Why choose that one? Why introduce scarcity at all? How do you do? You think about this with your uh, previous work in general? Yeah. Um, so that that question comes up a lot. Like, how do you actually impose some sort of curation on it? Um, mm. And you, and a, a lot of us AI artists, we can we think of our our jobs as partially a little bit like curators you know like if you train some generative model and then you're creating artworks from it you're essentially sampling from the model and then picking ones that you like and so it's kind of like curation um and there's a a lot of really interesting works in in kind of how to select uh samples that appeal to you um maybe Mm -hmm. some work in evolutionary computing becomes becomes relevant so you can use kind of principles of genetic algorithms and you know, because you can you can mm. you can apply a lot of that same stuff to the um, latent input codes right. that <clears throat> that go into the model. Because in the generative mm-hmm. model, the, usually the architecture is you input some code. You know, which could be the mm-hmm. which is, you can associate with the NFT, for example, and then mm-hmm. it produces an artwork. Right. And so the code mm-hmm. itself, you know, you can do mutation on it. You can do adding and splicing and all that kind of stuff. And so that right. opens up a lot of interesting, you know, avenues towards creating ways of interacting with it in some curatorial mm-hmm. process. I really like that idea. The idea of using, like, in, when you're training, your fit function is not this uh, objective uh, number measurement. It's the, it's this like evolutionary, like humans deciding if they like this aesthetic. Right. Sort yeah. Of yeah. Thing. Exactly. So yeah, it's like appeasing then, curators is kind of huh, a fitness function. Right. Or or maybe That's, it could yeah, be like maybe it could be tied to how much attention it consumes right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how many likes it gets on the photo board some combination of that yeah mm-hmm. that's really clever i like that a lot especially like yeah yeah 100 percent. i have like a totally random left field question about the computational power you need to do this yeah um yeah. and just because i'm sort of an apple fanboy uh the new mac pro that's coming out what does mm-hmm. that have any implications for for this kind of stuff it's like super overpowered um gpu wise is that is it yeah. is it anywhere yeah. near powerful enough to do this kind of stuff or I I actually don't I don't actually know anything about the new Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, in, in, generally speaking, a lot of the uh, deep deep generative models yeah. are very much GPU and computationally intensive. Right. Um, hmm. 
and probably prohibitively so, uh, at least for, you mm. know, the, the, none of this stuff can be decentralized functionally right now. Right. Um, and mm. maybe federated, but even then it's, it's, it's tricky because of the communication costs. Right. So I, I would probably mm. pursue things that are, at least for the time being, um, somewhat less computationally intensive, you know, at least as a proof right. of concept. Right. Uh, because, yeah, definitely generative models, especially the very, very high-end ones, they consume a lot of computation. What do people make those on? What do, what do people use now to do like the really high end to, the, to do that? Stuff? It depends on who you're asking about, you know, so, so very typically, you know, universities and research labs uh, have lots of in-house resources or cloud compute, you know, right. so there's a lot of Google cloud and Amazon cloud using, you know, spinning up GPU servers wow. and things like that. Yeah. Um, research labs will often have their own machines that have a bunch of GPUs in, inside of one, you know, one rig. Um, and it tends to get pretty expensive um, and and consume a lot of uh, of power. I like how the technical limitations, uh, you know, induce creativity, um, much in the same way that like autoglyphs, their generative function could barely fit into the gas right. of an Ethereum block, yep. and like that was their constraint, and it drove creativity. Yeah. Um, so I, I imagine the same thing will happen here. We will get some very fun but simple. Uh, generative models. Yeah. yeah, I've always thought that creativity yeah. is kind of very much needs constraints. Do you think there's a, given the like uh, large, large suite of problems um, that Abraham will be solving mm -hmm. around SMPC and all of these different like things, do you think that there's a middle ground that is more centralized? Maybe it's just yeah. you running a model you created. Like, what does that minimum um, viable project path look kind of like? Yeah. 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 So I've definitely thought I've, I've been uh, having conversations, for example, with the Truebit people. Um, and, yeah. you know, the, there's there are ways of getting sort of compromised versions where maybe you, you, you do some sort of semi-supervised. Uh, I shouldn't use semi-supervised because that means something else. But um, <laughs> like uh, semi-centralized, let's say, uh, computation, mm. which kind of bounces around between different nodes and that achieves some uh, amount of, uh, of decentralization. Right. Uh, without having the, the full, there's also, you know, potentially other technologies which could uh, replace SMP. So, you know, instead of using SMPC, like uh, some multi-party computation, you could have something like a secure enclave. Um, that has mm -hmm. its own issues, of course, but um, but there are alternatives then, some of which compromise on, on various elements of it. I, I really see totally. this as a very much like a long-term project that is trying to foresee mm -hmm a future yeah. where uh, these technologies have scaled and matured. And in the meantime, I'm yeah. going to try to do things that, you know, it's uh, at some level I have the fallback of this being an art project. So I can do things that are, you know, kind of like spiritual proofs of concept, let's say um, things that mm. get more of a community around it. And then with the ultimate aim of trying to create the artist in its purest form, but accepting, right. you know, activities um, leading to that, which, which, you know, fall short of that um i i could definitely see you know a path that includes many stages in that sense are there any properties you're unwilling to compromise on i i, I think we have to compromise on all of them at least in the in the initial mm. term so for example like i can't make a claim that abraham is decentralized right now because i own all the accounts right 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 <laughs> so right. um you know they say what was the i heard this good comment from someone at gitcoin i don't know if this is uh, <laughs> this is probably floating around in space but decentralizing something from the beginning is like trying to build a plane in the air right. um, mm -hmm. so so everything yeah. is compromised and my you know I have this kind of um, this goal eventually to try to to try to achieve the 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 artist in its purest form with the knowledge that that it may take a long time to to reach there and I'm sure the roadmap will kind of change along the way totally do you think um, or rather how do you think people will find out about Abraham discover them uh, imagine the perfect scenario in which the artist is alive and producing works um, what do you feel like the ideal experience is where they discover this artist and want their work and showcase it and how, how do you yeah how do you imagine that I, I've been thinking about uh, one of the things that I'd like to develop for Abraham is some sort of a like let's say a client application which um, samples artworks from Abraham, so buys artworks from Abraham. Mm. And I thought it would be like one project that I've, I, and this, this I was thinking about even before Abraham, like the idea of a frame, 
Um, so there's there is this digital art frame market that's already existing. Mural, right, is one, and I don't know that one, but I, I know like for example, uh, framed and um, uh, the late electric objects. Yeah, exactly, electric objects, things like that. And um, I thought it'd be cool to try to make uh, an open source one. You know, maybe uh, just yeah. one that's mm -hmm. part of the project. Yes, please. Yeah. They're so expensive. Yeah, yeah. There is a there is a uh, two of my friends made made something called Open Frame, which um, yeah. Which is basically an open source, you know, art um, frame. Uh, oh wow, that's cool. But I, I don't think it's super active anymore. But but you know, they do have these instructions that they left online, and um, I was thinking about maybe picking up their pieces and maybe trying to integrate mm -hmm. an Abraham client application into it. Then you have something that Ooh, that yeah. can actually, you know, you can put into a room and then have it query artworks from Abraham. Totally. I've also thought about you know putting stuff online. Um, right now, to answer the first question about how people will find out about it, right now the people that I'd like to find out about it are people who will participate in, in the actual making of Abraham. Um, so right now that's just kind of like any other venture. I'm just trying to get the word out and try to get people to, um, to try to you know, uh, begin to discuss things that can be, can, totally. can be done. What kind of people are you looking for specifically at this point? Like who, who, who would be most useful mm -hmm. to you? uh yeah at this point in the process um i mean the people that in the beginning are, are that i probably need are people that have you know expertise in in any of the technologies that are relevant so of course this mm -hmm. brings in Can a lot die. of crypto economic theory this brings in a lot of ai uh security stuff um i just want to get as many people who are interested in the idea talking about how these relative technologies can be combined and then I'm also plugged into the AI art scene yeah. and, and just the, the art tech world in general. And I think a lot of artists are going to take some interest in this. And so I'm trying to get their attention and try to get them to participate. Um, right now, I'm trying to have as broad, like as inclusive of a conversation that I can that I can foster. Um, because it really, you know, it's going to take a village for sure. Yeah. What, um, what makes you excited about the space beyond Abraham, but uh, around the crypto economic and... Um, generative art space like wh what are you interested in that's sort of like on the edges of your vision yeah um, for me I'm really energized by a lot of the theory that I'm that I'm hearing coming out of the the crypto economic space because I you know I'm I'm super interested in a lot of these theoretical ideas about new ways to 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 interact online new ways new kinds mm -hmm. of economies that we can create experimenting with new financial models new new models of property and ownership um, they're all very fascinating to me and I don't consider myself particularly, um, you know, well-versed in them. So I'm kind of looking, I'm kind of coming at them from a naive perspective, but they definitely feel to me like there's something, something worth investing my own interest in. And the nice mm -hmm. thing about Abraham, you know, besides for the actual, uh, besides for the actual idea of the art project itself is that it's a vehicle to study yeah, these totally. things in a, in a, in a way that has some sort of a concrete goal. Um, but also along the way, it lets us experiment with uh, these technologies and learn about their properties in a, in, a, in a place that's relatively low stakes, you know, because of course mm -hmm. these are very, very potentially very consequential um, technologies and we don't, know, right. we don't know very much about what makes them dangerous, let's say, yeah. or their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I'd like to try to hack away at those and figure, figure out what makes them good, what makes them bad. Um, and, um, so yeah, I would say, I would say that is the, for me, the most, or, or the, the secondary reason, let's say, you know, the pragmatic reasons for studying it. Yeah. I think, uh, Tony Shang mentioned that on Twitter. He was like, Bitcoin is just an excuse to get into philosophy right. and economics <laughs> and like all, the list of things that crypto touches. Totally. And yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a great perspective is using Abraham as a medium to explore this, like, yeah, all the different spaces that it gets into in a in a low in a low impact way relatively right? relatively like it's not life or death it's right i'm not giving like homeowners loans, right for exactly example. No. <laughs> straight up hardburger taxes in real life like all of a sudden no that is a that's one of the original like things that drew me to crypto was especially with governance is now we have a sandbox with which to iterate on governance yeah. in a way that the world hasn't seen before and you can experiment in like vastly bizarrely new ways of coordinating people um, all in this little sandbox where if it goes bad like people might lose yeah, some like money the DAO, for example 
Right. But you're not like destroying yeah. humanity, yeah. you know? Hopefully. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally in the future there is that risk because it's so big. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, but ideally, potentially, right, right, right. hopefully, we yeah. mitigate the risk. Yeah. Potentially, right. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, a, the I'm the, of the opinion that you know you can't stop any technology which is objectively more effective at something, right. and so mm. uh, in the future we will have those dangers, and right. so there's sort of no choice but to to try to figure out what what makes them vulnerable. Yeah, you got to mitigate them now, mm-hmm. so you don't have to deal with it later. Yeah, exactly. What is your what is your hot take then? On uh, so last episode we did a list of hot takes from people in the space mm-hmm. who were you know they're geared into the space they have this hot take on like something that um, they think is wrong or something we need to be doing uh, or like a terrifying future that could come to pass. What is your hot take on crypto economics and the stuff you're looking at? Hmm. Um, well, um, my take is that uh, the th- there's more theory than there is practice right now. You know, so there's a lot of been just a lot of ingenious theorizing about how different sorts of mechanisms can be put into place. And um, and it's it's funny because I, I kind of think it's the opposite of the deep learning space, because deep learning is all practice and no theory, which is kind of the huh. joke about about that the theory sort of lags behind. And um, that's kind of funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I think I think it's it's useful to try to maybe step back and start to actually implement some of these things to the extent that they can be. Um, and, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I don't have a, so much of a background. I, I haven't written a solidity contract, for example. Right. Um, and a lot of mm-hmm. these things, I know they're not necessarily, they're not super easy to use. Um, but I think we should we should definitely focus on usability so that we can actually begin to build some sort of small scale prototypes and, and investigate right. these things. and. You know. That's definitely the trade-off is writing a blog post is, you know, maybe a day. Building what you said <laughs> is probably the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, back when TCRs were a thing, uh, token curated registries, one of the first sort of forays into curation. I love how you're like back when, and that was what, like a year and a half ago? Right, ta- a year and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, uh, yeah. break out my cane. Um the yeah it, it was a lot of theory and i and i was like very very into it but no one te- was able to test it until just recently maybe you know half a year ago i think ocean ocean is also using yeah. some curation markets and tcrs yeah. right yeah and the tcr right. party of course yeah. right the TCR um, party. which was the popularity contest on twitter yeah. um which i am still in by the way <laughs> hashtag follow me <laughs> to, um, yeah no totally the the feedback loop on thesis to implementation to practice is is very very slow right now i could definitely see that being a huge huge bottleneck in like yeah exactly just the progress we make um so if people want to find this blog post uh where should they go where how would the best way to read it should they just look at your twitter or the, where should the they actual go? it's a it's a medium post which i will be posting fingers crossed tomorrow or Thursday at latest, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, and yeah, I'll tweet about it. Um, it'll be on my medium, my, my medium and my Twitter are Gene Kogan. So G N E K O G A N. Um, also the website yes. for the project is abraham.ai. Nice. Um, That's a great, yep, perfect. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> yep. And so there will be a link to the, to the blog post from there when it comes out. There's also, I also have a discord channel. Uh, Discord group. So mm-hmm. there's a chat room that, that I've kind of started up. There's a very low amount of activity at the moment because we haven't really started de- mm-hmm. deciding what to do yet. But that's there. And I'm also going to launch a, a forum, like a discourse, which will be more for keeping track of of conversations about particular topics of, in, of interest. So, you know, how will we govern mm-hmm. it? What's the agenda? Things like that. And so there, that will be totally. there. Um, and yeah, and people can also just get in touch with me for sure. Yeah. Twitter.com slash Gene Kogan. That's right. G-E-N-E-K-O-G-A-N. That's right. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, well, that's that's it for our show today. Uh, Gene, thanks so much for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. As usual, you can find me at Songaday Man on Twitter, and you can find Matt at Matt G. Condon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, do you have anything you particular you want to plug this week? Stickersbydot.com. Uh, we made hey. a Twitch extension that has been live for two months. It has a bunch of Boom. active users and is an experiment in 
rewarding creativity and creating a micropayment economy built on emotion instead of attention. Uh, Sweet. That's like the crypto description. The real description is it's just digitally scarce stickers that you can react to things with. Check it out. It's pretty cool. It's very fun. Uh, yeah, that's it for us. We'll see you next time. Next time. Digital scarcity, what does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't war. No stone bridges out of iron anymore. No stone bridges out of iron anymore. If there were two Mona Lisas, the same in every way But you know that one was real And you know that one is fake Which one would you say Has the authenticity Failure begins with having to explain Fungibility Are NFTs for their own sake Enough in the end Or do you need utility And speculation scarcity what does any of it mean gotta fix usability for nfts the go mainstream nfts ain't finance arguments ain't war All magic is change You can inscribe a magical word Onto the blockchain I could make money off this song Every single time it's heard If it were an NFT owned by an ERC-20 bonded curve Matt owns the podium He won't light it on fire though Horse dung and Ultima Online Where's a currency, don't you know? Digital scarcity, what does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't Stone has a story. Noriel Rubini is wrong. William Chamberlain invented curved salad tongs. Don't just focus on scarcity for NFTs and games. Use your imagination, explore the whole range. And we've come so far with the internet. But all white papers got these two column PDFs. Oh, ooh, digital scarcity. What does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't war.